Since the 1800s, traveling circuses have featured clowns as one of their many attractions. A grown man or woman dressed in oversized clothing with a permanent smile painted on their face. However, within the past few decades, clowns have become subjects of some of the darkest and most sinister stories among pop culture and reality. Welcome to the Creepy Town Podcast. And on this episode, we will be exploring the haunting world of clowns. It appears as though this clown epidemic sort of comes in waves among pop culture, meaning they'll get very big for a short period of time and then they will fade away. And then maybe a decade later, five years later, 20 years later, they come back and they come back stronger than ever. Uh, for example, recently the, the new Joker movie uh, was released and we all know the joker is the famous villain some say the greatest villain of all time ever written or created uh, among any television show tv show comic book movie because there's something very mysterious about the joker he's a clown no one really knows his origin story but this movie that just came out recently directed by todd phillips called joker it explores his origin story even though there really isn't a death definitive origin story for the joker this sort of tells its own story and it was a awesome movie i'll I'll go into a review at the end of this episode for those who are interested you can stay tuned for that and then just uh maybe what was a month or two ago we had uh it chapter two and that was huge you know the famous pennywise the Clown in the Gutter, based off of the novel written by Stephen King, which I just purchased, but I'm waiting to read it because I'm actually reading Stephen King on writing because I became obsessed with Stephen King. I was, it's like someone like that is just so mind-boggling to look at their look at their body of work. You know, it, the book, is a thousand pages long. It would probably take me 75 years to to write a 1,000-page th- book. Um, and he just he's had so many amazing books that have turned into film. Uh, it's just very, very insane. And It just so happens to be one of his stories. Uh, and It Chapter 2 was based off, uh, or is the sequel to It, which when I saw it, I thought, man, this is a pretty good take on, on the story. I thought the newer versions of It were obviously better than the old series that came out in, I think, the 1990s, uh, which had Tim Curry, who played Pennywise. Now, I will say this. I do like Tim Curry's version of Pennywise more than Bill Skarsgård's. I do like Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise. It's a, it's a unique and original take on the clown, but I just think the classic Pennywise uh, is is more true to the book, I would say, even though I haven't read the book, but I've read the description of Pennywise in the book via websites that I've researched because I really, after I watch a movie that's loosely based on a book, I like to look up the cliff look at the cliff notes of the book and look at the parallels and I read the description of Pennywise uh, from the book and I just think uh, and I know it's it's actually 
greatly agreed that uh, Tim Curry's Pennywise is more true to the book. So I do like things in both films, or the older films and the newer ones. I like both of them, let's just say that. But I mean, the, the first It with Tim Curry, that was made for television. It was like, what is it, rated G, PG? It was made for TV audiences. You, have to, you can't show no gore or anything like that. You can show blood, but you can't show what they show what they showed in the newer versions but you know we'll save that discussion for another time so anyways i'm already getting way 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 off topic but it is october so i thought i would come and make this clowns episode of the podcast because i think there really is no better time and i mentioned earlier that the this clown epidemic comes in waves you know we had the it joker uh, just before this, there was uh, the original It, and there's all kinds of sporadic clown movies that show up, whether it's on like Netflix, Hulu, or uh, in the theaters. And we also see clowns in real life. Some are good, but the ones that mainly get the attention are the bad ones. And I'm specifically talking about a man who used the his clown persona to do horrific acts, and that was John Wayne Gacy. Uh, we will talk about that later on in this episode. I want to just break down this episode into about six parts. I want to talk about the history of clowns, the fear of clowns. I want to talk a little bit about John Wayne Gacy, and I want to talk about cinema's scariest clowns. I'll provide my list of what I think are the most terrifying clowns in modern cinema. And lastly, I will conclude this episode with my review of Joker, the new movie that came out about a month ago. Well, a couple weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Yeah, about a month. It's been, it's been a minute since it's been out. But since this podcast episode of uh, Creepy Town is going to be about clowns, I thought it would be appropriate to conclude this episode with my review on the most infamous clown of all time. I think it's important to whenever you're going to discuss a, a topic, no matter if it's related to the horror genre, the comedy genre, if it's I, no matter what it is, I think it's important to cover the history of whatever you're going to talk about, whether it's a person, place, or thing. And so, with this podcast being on clowns, I think it would be a good idea to start off with a little brief history of clowns and how clowns came to be. When you think about it, the earliest clown that comes to mind would be the jester. However, in this sense of the word clown, it doesn't really relate to what we're talking about today. The jester was there by the king's side and his purpose was to entertain the king, tell him jokes and make a fool out of himself. Although there is hints of that within the origin of the clown that we're talking about today, it's just, it's a little bit different, just a little bit. The clown we're talking about today is more theatrical. 
not meant to entertain one person, but many. Now, the clown character originated from the Italian zany. Now, zany is a word that some of us are familiar with. You know, it kind of means like something's kooky or weird, odd, or loony. And this was a character uh, based off of like a fool or a bum or a lowlife, very rustic. And this person who would play the zany would dress up in what looks like a, a very, very old, tiny clown costume, like exaggerated, sometimes dirty clothes. They would wear a dark mask. And this character was based, you know, pretty much on archetypes found in ancient Greek and Roman theater. The modern appearance of clowns like that we know of today was originally created by comedian, actor, and dancer Joseph Grimaldi. Now, Grimaldi is famous because he's the first to implement that white face that we see all clowns having today. There's just their entire face is white, and then there's over-exaggerated expressions painted on top of the white. And he's the first one to do that. So he is like the god of the clowns. You go to a clown college, they have a big mural of Joseph Grimaldi up there. Unfortunately for him, you know, he lived a, a he, he was probably like the first real mainstream professional clown. And his job entailed a lot of acrobatics and hurting himself on stage to make people laugh and it took a it took a negative toll on his body over the years and his career did not last long even though he was wildly popular and wildly famous his career did not last long this was uh, primarily due to the injuries that he obtained throughout his clown days his his life at the end was fairly sad you know he died at the age of 58 he went through severe alcoholism and depression he outlived both his wife and son and it's crazy when you look at his life and you think he did all of this but before he even turned 60 and it's unfortunate that he never did turn 60 because he died very young but this brings me to my next topic that i want to talk about and that is the topic of the sad clown now, the sad clown is something you've probably heard of in popular culture or something you hear about in psychology classes or if you listen to a lot of podcasts done by comedians they will talk about how their job is to entertain crowds of people to make them laugh but in reality they're extremely depressed or they're going through a lot of stuff and they're not really happy they're not really this persona that you think they are based off of what you see on stage. And it is very, very strange because when you see a clown, a literal clown, they have this expression painted on their face, a permanent smile, highly exaggerated, very colorful, big giant eyes, goofy clothing, colorful clothing. It's, uh, it's designed to attract children, you know, entertain children, make children laugh. But at the end of the day, does that person in the clown suit go home and is he still juvenile and joyous and happy? Is he jumping up and down? The answer is probably not. To him, this is just another you know, gig. This is his work. This is his job. I mean, I think most people hate their jobs 
I'm sure someone has told you what they do for a living and you thought it was amazing or cool or awesome and that person <laughs> disagreed with you because they live it every single day. And I think being a clown, a professional clown, perhaps could take its toll on you if you're doing this every single day. You put on makeup, you go entertain people, you entertain children, adults, and you yourself, the person under the makeup, doesn't get the recognition that you might des- that you might deserve or you think you deserve because nobody knows who you are once you take the makeup off. They know who the clown is, but they don't know you. And I think that has to sort of contribute to the sad clown theory that these entertainers are really not who they portray themselves to be and they're actually very very dark and sometimes sad and depressed i mean if you look at our generation's most famous and beloved comedians whether they're stand-up comedians actors or people who portray themselves as fun funny positive and you know, family friendly. Some may not be family friendly, friendly, but they're widely beloved by millions and millions of people. You can think of a lot of them. You know, there's Brody Stevens, famous comic, one of my favorites. Robin Williams, you know, Chris Farley. He didn't commit suicide, but he had his personal problems with drug abuse and alcoholism and you know, the list just goes on and on, and it's it's a very, very sad list to look at. You see all these people, you know, Richard Jenny, all these people who whose sole purpose in life was to bring laughter to people and make them, you know, just escape reality for a moment. These people are the ones who needed it, needed it the most, it appears. It's very, very sad. Well, anyways, we'll we'll con- we'll continue the podcast. I didn't mean to to bring the the tone all the way down. We'll go more into the the fear of clowns now. The fear of clowns. We always know that, or we always have known that clowns are creepy as heck. Why? Why are they creepy? What makes them so creepy? Well, let's take a look. So the fear of clowns, or better known in the science community as chlorophobia, is very interesting because it appears that it persists mainly in children and teenagers below the age of 18, with half of the people, well almost half of the people who have this phobia uh, being in that age range, with 45% and 44% of people with this fear lie within the age of 18 and 34. And that's pretty much the biggest two chunks of people with this fear. It, it very, very, very much so does taper off uh, when you get into your mid-30s and 40s and 50s. And only 2% of people above the age of 65 have cholerophobia or the fear of clowns. And 3% of people with the fear are ages between 50 and 64 and 6 percent 35 through 49 so why does it mainly affect children 
Now, I'm not claiming to be a psychologist, nor do I know anything about psychology, but what I do know and what I am somewhat familiar with is the idea that most of the fears uh, and phobias that we have as adults sprout within us through perhaps traumatic experiences from when we were kids, you know, children. Now, I've recently read something when I was doing research for this episode, and it explained why young children, like really young children, are the most afraid of clowns. And it goes into saying that basically, at such a young age, you see a human figure, you see someone's body, and you're very familiar with that shape. You you know, you see your parents, they have arms and legs and a torso, and you know, it's the human body. You see their face, you know, they have eyes, a nose, a mouth, ears, hair. So, when you are introduced to a clown, their face can be very, very confusing and also primarily disturbing to somebody. Something with the wiring and something to do with nature where your mind is telling you that this is an imposter. It's not a real person, you know, because you can't see the person under the makeup. You just see the face on the makeup. And I think that's very interesting to, to think about. And I read about a person who had this fear of clowns, and they said that this fear started when they were very, very young, and they were at a, a circus, and a clown came up to, came up to them, and the clown reeked, smelled like cigarettes, and the clown was smiling and talking in this person's face. And they're very, very, a very young child, and she said that she could vividly remember the clown's dark, yellow, crooked, stained teeth and the bad breath. And it was just a very, very gross experience. It's, pr- it's just pretty much slap a, a clown outfit on any one of these homeless people in Los Angeles, and that's what she experienced at a very young age, which I can agree is very terrifying. Now, I know a lot of people that have this phobia claim that it all started with Stephen King's It and Tim Curry's portrayal of It. If you talk to your parents, well, if you're a young, handsome buck like me, and you have middle-aged parents, if you ask them what the scariest movies to them are, I'm sure that they might say, Jaws, which was directed by Steven Spielberg, because when Jaws came out, people were terrified of going in the water and going in the ocean because they felt that they were going to get attacked by sharks. And I ain't going to lie, I don't like going into the ocean just because I can't see anything in the water because our California, Southern California oceans are disgusting and green and brown. And I just want to be able to see what's swimming beneath me and the movie Jaws just horrified people and brought down the beach populations tremendously across the world. And now psychologists are saying that Stephen King's It did the same thing that Jaws did to the people who decided not to go to the beach anymore for their new fear of sharks. It brought forth this cholerophobia in people, this fear of clowns. You know, we know Pennywise, the dancing clown, Tim Curry's version was very, very, there's something very likable about him, but then he does the thing where he opens his mouth and you see all of his teeth and he's yelling and screaming and he's very, very demonic. It's like that, that trust thing. There's like a trust problem here. 
What I like about Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise is that he's very, very goofy and funny. He has the the Brooklyn accent. He's kind of like your he's like your uncle, you know. But then he, you know, you get too close to him, he'll bite your head off. So there's there's definitely like a trust thing. You know, he, he's very, very warm. He invites you in. He tells jokes. He might make fun of you, call you fat. But just don't uh, don't get too close because he will eat your head off and consume you. And that is a definite factor when it comes to people who have this fear of clowns. It's completely a trust thing. You see their exterior, but you just don't trust who's under the makeup. And I, I, I completely understand that. I personally do not like clowns really that much. I never have. I've never been interested in them. Uh, mainly because I just look at them. I can't. I can never just focus on the makeup and the good time, the laughing, the squirting me in the eye with a, a flower that squirts water out of it. I just. I just look at the clown and I just think about the person beneath the makeup, the sad middle-aged dude who probably lives in a crappy one-bedroom apartment who takes off his makeup probably still wears the clown nose at home and just drinks beer at night until he falls asleep and that's that's really terrifying to me because i would not want that dude around my children i will just say that now i've always wondered what does it feel like to have the fear of clowns like when you see a clown what goes through your mind what goes through your body because i've i've heard of people who just break down mentally and physically when they're around clowns, near clowns, they start crying and screaming, which is a symptom. Let's uh, let's just jump in and go through the symptoms of the clown phobia. So many people who have this, when they see a clown, they'll begin to sweat. They might get nauseous. They'll have a, the feeling of dread, like something bad is going to happen. Their heart will start to race. They'll start to hyperventilate and do very, very rapid breathing. They'll cry, they'll scream. Uh, they'll feel angry at the person who placed them in this situation where the clowns are present. If it's a kid, they might lash out at their parents and say, why the heck did you bring me here? The circus sucks. How could you bring me to this clown, this evil clown? This is very, very bad. This is dangerous, which I completely understand. If, uh, if my parents got me a clown for my birthday, you know, not, not my birthday now, but my birthdays when I was younger. I mean, I guess, I mean, I mean, yeah, obviously now. If my parents got me a clown for my birthday to entertain me and my birthday guests, I would be furious. Because I know that it, they make me uncomfortable, and I'm sure they make a lot of other people uncomfortable. I would be furious at my parents. And that is a very, very interesting symptom of cholerophobia is lashing out at the person who puts you in the situation where clowns are present. So this brings me to my next topic. And this is something that happened in the real life, in reality. This is not something that happened in a story or television or cinema. This was real. I'm talking about the killer clown. In Des Plaines, Illinois, near Chicago, a man who served time in prison for sex crimes was let out. Today, they found the bodies of at least three young boys buried under his house. He is charged with murder. Police have been watching John Gacy's suburban Chicago home for the past 10 days. 
They became suspicious when 15-year-old Robert Peast disappeared after he allegedly was last seen with Gacy. This morning, police searched Gacy's home and found the decomposed remains of three bodies in a dirt crawl space under the house. They suspect there are several more bodies buried here. Gacy is a 36-year-old building contractor who reportedly dressed like a clown to entertain at children's parties. John Wayne Gacy raped, tortured, and murdered at least 33 teenage boys and young men between 1972 and 1978 in Cook County, Illinois. Gacy would dress up as his alter ego, Pogo the Clown, to lure his victims into his house. He would primarily target young men and young teenage boys to live out his darkest, most perverted sexual fantasies. And this is a man who had a wife and children. So this fantasy of raping, torturing, and murdering young men has probably been in the depths of his mind for his entire life. Now, what he would do is, once he had these young men in his house, he would give them alcohol and try his best to get them drunk, and then he would often drug them. One of his tactics to subdue his victims would be tricking them to put on handcuffs, and this was like part of his whole clown routine. He would say, here, put these on, and he would say that he has a key and do all this trickery stuff, but he would never really let the person out. He would never let the kid out of the cuffs. What he would do is he would torture them. He once said after he was, you know, spoiler alert, caught, he said that he would sit on the kid's chests for a while before he would kill them. Now, can you imagine being a young boy and having a giant 270-pound man in a clown costume sit on your chest for long periods of time just torturing you i mean that just gives me extreme anxiety just thinking about it right now so after he would rape his victim and torture them and do whatever he did to them he would eventually just strangle them to death in 1968 gacy was convicted of sexually assaulting two teenage boys he was given a 10-year prison sentence. Now, this is, I think, before his murders, because he committed uh, his murders in the early to mid-70s. So this was considerably the first big red flag that hinted at John Wayne Gacy's perversions. And it's crazy to think you only get a 10-year prison sentence for that. I think you would have to get more. You know, that's just ridiculous. Anyways, he was released on parole in the summer of 1970, but he was arrested again the following year after another teen accused him of sexual assault. But the crazy thing is that the charges were dropped because the boy didn't appear in court during the trial. So the charges were just dropped. I think if a young boy accuses a man who has already been convicted of sexual assault of assaulting him, then there should be some kind of like surveillance put on this guy, a tracking device, uh, whatever. Just, just I don't think you should just be able to drop the case like that. To me, that is ridiculous. By the middle of the 1970s, two more young males accused Gacy of rape. And he would be questioned by the police about the disappearances of others. On December 11th, 
1978, 15-year-old Robert Peast went missing. It was reported to police that the boy was last seen by his mother at a drugstore where he worked before he headed out to meet Gacy to discuss a potential job for his construction business. Ten days later, police would search Gacy's house where they would find copious amounts of evidence that connected to several disappearances of teenage boys. The police then discovered the remains of 26 bodies buried beneath his house. On the trial, Gacy attempted to plead on insanity but was ultimately found guilty of 33 murders. The judge gave him 12 death sentences and 21 natural life sentences. On May 10, 1994, John Wayne Gacy was executed via lethal injection. His final words were, kiss my ass. Something very peculiar about his execution is that it didn't really work at first. So for some reason, the chemicals in the injection calcified, preventing them from spreading throughout his body and going to his brain and everything like that. It just halted it. So it increased the amount of time it took to get the process over with. It took approximately 18 minutes in total. I know it doesn't sound like a a lot, but it's a very, very strange thing because I think there's like a viewing room where you can where you can watch the, the prisoners get executed and due to the technical difficulties, they drew the curtains and closed the, the sight from the audience members until they got uh, things kicking again. So after that, they actually like changed the rules about lethal injection and the actual like the doctor scientist man who was in charge of the injection blamed the uh, the lack of knowledge and care of the chemicals due to the the prison staff's you know faultiness i guess it's all it's a very very strange strange scenario but what a terrifying human being john wayne gacy was now, I live in Los Angeles, California, and on Hollywood Boulevard, which is about, I don't know, like 10 miles away from me, there is the Museum of Death. And in this museum, they have a bunch of different creepy artifacts, memorabilia from serial killers, famous killings, murders, mysteries from from all kinds of periods from history. And one thing that they have there that has always caught my eye and piqued my interest is they have John Wayne Gacy's Pogo the Clown shoes, the actual shoes that he wore that he used part as part of his Pogo the Clown costume. Along with that, they have some original artwork because when he was in his cell, he liked to paint a lot. He would paint pictures mainly of him as the clown, as Pogo the Clown. And I think the one they have at the Museum of Death is the famous one where if you just Google uh, John Wayne Gacy painting, something along the lines of like that, the picture that they have there is probably the one that's going to first show up on Google. It's like him, it's the clown, he's like holding balloons and he's like waving very creepily. It's a very, very haunting image, especially when you know the backstory behind the artist. It's also just a creepy painting in general. Even if you don't know anything about the story, it's just a creepy painting. And he also has one where Pogo the Clown is laying on like a platform and he's surrounded by the seven dwarfs from Snow White. It's And he's like sleeping or dead or I don't know, but it is bizarre. 
You know, he's not that bad of a painter. I will say that. He's not that bad of a painter. He's kind of like, he paints on like the level of like a 12-year-old kid. I'll say that. But dang, man, that is very unfortunate. I can only imagine that the story of John Wayne Gacy and Pogo the Clown only was nightmare fuel to people with the phobia of clowns. I can only imagine. One of the nation's most notorious serial killers is dead. John Wayne Gacy was executed by lethal injection early this morning at the state prison in Joliet, Illinois. Gacy had spent more than 14 years on Illinois' death row after being convicted of the brutal murders of 33 young men and boys. Most were found buried beneath his home in suburban Chicago. So I'm going to conclude this episode with just two more things. One being my list of the top five scariest clowns in cinema. We can think of the obvious ones, which, you know, the, some of them are in the list. But there's a couple in here that I had to be reminded of because I forgot about them. Probably for the best, because no one wants to have these images of these clowns implanted in their brain. So, number five on my list is Art, the clown, from the movie The Terrifier. The Terrifier is... A new movie on Netflix. It's probably like a few years old, but it's about this killer clown who just murders people. You know, just, to, just basic stuff. But this clown is very, very creepy because he's like a black and white clown. He kind of looks like a mime. He looks like a mime. That's like the best way to describe it. He has like a big nose, a, a permanent smile. And I think what makes this clown so cool is because the the makeup artists use prosthetics to enhance his facial features so it doesn't it doesn't look like just makeup on a guy it looks like a demonic face that's actually his face you know it doesn't look like a mask that he's wearing or anything like that so if you haven't seen the terrifier on netflix definitely check it out especially if you're a gore fan a horror fan a clown fa fan you know just it's a pretty cool movie it's very entertaining Number four on my list is Sid, Sid Haig's Captain Spaulding from House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects. Now, this clown, uh, also Sid, Sid Haig just recently passed, rest in peace, you know, amazing actor. What a great dude, what a great story. It's a very unfortunate that he passed because his role as Captain Spaulding is amazing, was amazing, and is beloved by millions of fans across the world, including me. What's peculiar about this clown, though, is that it's not really scary like the way art from Terrifier, from the Terrifier, is scary. It's more, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe Captain Spaulding, it's more just disturbing because when you look at him, it just looks like some hillbilly bum dude who just threw some paint on his face and didn't care about anything else. He looks like a child molester. He looks evil, but he comes off as like a cool dude in the movie <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses. Comes off as like a goofy kind of guy. It's like, all right, maybe this guy is cool. Maybe he's good, but we all know how that turns out. So just something about the hillbilly, rot rotten teeth beard no clown should have a beard uh is just very very disturbing and off-putting and i think that's what makes it so brilliant so number three on the list is 
the clown from the movie Clown. Now, Clown is a movie that recently came out, I want to say maybe a couple years ago. It's about a guy who buys a, a clown outfit to entertain his kid on his for his birthday party, I think because... I don't know what happened. I don't know the... It's been a while since I've seen this movie, but it's something like that. I'm paraphrasing. He like buys a clown costume and he puts it on and then he's unable to take it off. And it's like it becomes glued to his body and the clown makeup won't come off. The clown nose won't come off any. Over the course of the movie, he slowly transforms into like a demonic clown. It's like a slow werewolf progression or transformation. And we see that from... This guy who's like a cool, loving dad, you know, normal, normal dude to at the end of the movie, he's just like a demon. You know, it's very, very cool. It's creepy as hell. It makes you not want to be a clown, which I'm sure nobody wants to be a clown. Let's be honest. But definitely check out Clown. I think it's on Netflix. It's either going to be on Netflix, Hulu, or just, you know, just go stream it. Come on. It's 2019. Number two on the list is Tim Curry's. Pennywise. Yes, I think Tim Curry's Pennywise is so iconic, even more so iconic than Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise, because that is the clown in cinema that really revolutionized uh, clowns in the horror genre. You know, with the bald white head, the giant forehead, and the the red hair coming around the sides, it's, it's very, very disturbing. Just all white just big baggy clown out outfit and i mean i love i love him he's goofy he's is the he has the brooklyn accent and he'll eat your head you know just a just the basic stuff that really really was groundbreaking at the time and is still my favorite version of pennywise number 1 i'm sure many of you listening to this right now have not heard of this clown maybe you've seen this clown in some images, but oh my god, this is probably the most horrifying and I mean unintentionally horrifying clown to ever grace the silver screen. And I'm saying this is the scariest clown to me in all of cinema. And that clown is Lon Chaney's clown in the movie called He Who Gets Slapped. Now this is a very very old movie. I think it came out. Let me do. Let me look at the actual year. In 1922, 1922 or 1914. One of the, I think it's 1922. Lon Chaney. You know he's the guy who played the, the Phantom of the Opera, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. He's known as uh, Hollywood's Man of a Thousand Faces. Very very talented actor in that era. But the clown he plays. In this movie, the, the premise of the movie doesn't matter because we're just talking about the, the horror aspect of the clown. Let me look up an image of him because something about this, I don't know if they did this intentionally to make him horrifying. Just type in Lon Chaney or just type in he who gets slapped clown. It is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in my life. So just to describe what he looks like. It's a black and white film, obviously, and the clown is wearing very, very, he's like a very baggy onesie, and he's wearing like one of these old like Renaissance collar things. It looks like a, 
like a dish that you'd serve a turkey on or something. It's like this giant, probably 12 and like one and a half foot wide collar thing. I don't know how to describe it. It looks like the bottom of a mushroom. And his face is all white. His lips, the makeup on his lips, you know, normally clowns have the big red smiles. His, it just looks like he's wearing lipstick, not really a big exaggerated smile that goes up to his ears it's just like red lipstick you can tell and then he has the little slashes over his eyes which you know if you're a clown you got to have the weird slashes over your eyes but to me i think the creepiest part of this clown is what's above his eyes and that is his hair so he's wearing a bald cap an all-white bald cap and he has these like three little fountains of hair coming from the left side of his head, the right side of his head, and the top of his head. He looks like it's he's just survived a nuclear explosion or something. It's very, very horrifying. I, I mean, you have to just look at it for yourself to see the horror that is Lon Chaney's clown and he who gets slapped. Man. Jeez, dude. That is terrifying. And you can tell he's like 60 years old, too, in this movie. It makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, and that's why I think this is the scariest cinema clown of all time. But speaking of cinema clowns, let me dive into the finale of this episode. I think it's been a good episode so far. I think we've had a lot of fun. We've talked about a lot of dark and gruesome stuff, some interesting stuff. We've learned about uh, chloro- chlorophobia, whatever it's called, clon. I don't know. I already forgot. There's no way you can memorize phobia names. They're so bizarre and just just clown phobia. Let's just say that. We learned a lot about that. But what is really on my mind and should be on your mind too is the new Joker movie. And you know, I, I say new. It came out uh, earlier in the month. I saw it uh, opening weekend. I was extremely pumped for this movie. I was very, very excited because the trailers just had me so hyped. And I'm someone who normally doesn't like to watch movie trailers because I feel like they spoiled too much now these now these days. So I try my best to avoid the spoilers. But they did a great job with the trailers for Joker with, you know, in the sense of not showing too much of the film to the audience. So I think this film was fantastic. It's definitely my favorite film of the year i recommend it to everybody i understand why some people are very hesitant to support this film with all the you know you know the the school shooting stuff the incel uh outrage that might come from this you know just all the the political drama just throw that all out the window and just enjoy this as art and entertainment because it is a beautiful film joaquin phoenix Man, give him an Oscar for the next 10 years because his performance was amazing. He lost like 60 pounds for this role. Um, I don't know what he did to lose that weight, but I need to do it as well. I think he just ate like 100 calories a day, which, you know, I have to cut back 9,900 calories to get to that level. So 
his performance was amazing and the movie ends very open-ended i'm not going to spoil anything but it ends very open-ended for audience interpretation and i love that about films and i also hate that about films because i love researching theories of what you know what people think happened what people think is going to happen now that now that the movie's over is there going to be a sequel what did this mean in this scene did this really happen did this happen is it all a dream all this stuff i love going deep in the rabbit hole of trying to discover what the film was about and i like watching youtube videos you know like there's the film theory stuff i love all that stuff extremely to an unhealthy degree but also it drives me mad because i want a de- definitive answers to what happened in the story i want to know you know, some people say, oh, he's not even the, it's his, this was a theory before the film came out, so this is not spoiling anything. People have said he's not the real Joker. He's, you know, this, he's probably some Joker that inspired the real Joker. But I think in the actual Batman timeline, like the actual canon of Batman, the canon says that there's like, there is multiple Jokers pretty much. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm a, Batman is for sure my favorite superhero, but I'm not like deep, deep into the comics or anything. So I'm not deep into the lore like most uh, comic book fans and fans of Batman are. So that's what I love about the film. And I hate it because it's very, it's a very open ending where it's satisfying, but also at the same time, you're kind of like on the edge of your seat, like, okay, that was cool. Does that mean this is going to happen? Does that mean this happens? Does this happen because of that? And just so many question come, questions come up after seeing the film. And I really, really want to go back and watch it again. It sucks because I, I, I wanted to see it in IMAX. I saw it just in you know the regular standard viewing. But I really wanted to see it in, in IMAX. But the problem is they only showed it in IMAX for like the first two weeks that it was released. Which I know it sounds reasonable. But come on, a movie that great, you have to show in IMAX for the, you know, the rest of you know, the theater's life. Right now they're showing Maleficent with Angelina Jolie and IMAX. I mean, come on, dude. Come on. But anyways, if I had to rate the movie on 10, on a rule of 10 clowns out of 10, I give it 20 clowns out of 10. I think it was phenomenal. Todd Phillips did an amazing job directing it. And it's a very, very dark and somber film which i guess you can relate to what we talked about earlier the sad clown todd phillips is a he's a he directed the hangover movies which are beloved by a vast majority of people who saw it or saw them he directed you know what is considered one of the funniest film franchises of our generation but then he gives up the comedy world for this dark and gruesome sad story of the joker And maybe that has something to say about the sad clown. Well, anyways, that is going to be the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm glad you guys tuned in. And I can't encourage you guys enough to send an email to creepytownpodcast at gmail.com and just, you know, provide a story, a creepy story, a weird story that has happened to you or someone you know. You can type it up or you can record yourself uh, telling the story i'll play it on the podcast or if you don't if you want to record it but not have it played just let me know i'll do whatever you want i just want to get your guys' stories out there so i can commentate on them and i love all that stuff i love creepy stories and you know that's why i did this podcast 
So go ahead, send me an email there and follow Creepy Town Podcast on Instagram. Um, you know, send me messages, comment, talk to me. I love all of you guys. I love when you guys message me and comment. So that's that. Once again, thank you guys for listening. I apologize for all of the ambient animal sounds you might have heard and are still hearing throughout the duration of this episode. I have the loudest animals on planet earth my pug just breathes extremely loud you can hear her right now she she's like she's like 15 feet away from me and you can clearly hear her breathing heavily and my cat just wants to meow and just run across my apartment like a crazy person just randomly and just make noise so i apologize for that but anyways thank you for listening this is creepy town <laughs>